I'm David Matson, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they've had along the way. Miley Munden was a boarder in high school from California. Despite being born on the West Coast, she had deep Hawaii roots and a strong interest in and love for the islands. I knew that she was kind, but what I didn't realize was how wonderfully thoughtful and considerate she was of others. In fact, she began telling me all sorts of great things about other people before I was able to get her to talk about herself. Miley! Hey, how's it? Uh, so why don't we get into the, the stuff about you? Because we're, we're having a great conversation about everybody else. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that, that might be my habit. <laughs> but let's talk about me now. No, no, no. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll dive in. Miley isn't originally from Hawaii. She was a boarder. She explains how that came to be and what growing up was like for her. But I was a boarder from California. So I was born and raised in Whittier, outside of L.A., like 17 miles out of L.A. When my mom came to California, she really like forged her own way. Like she um, went on her own um, with money that she had saved up from working at Kenny's and Pineapple and and stuff like that. Kenny's drive-in in in Kalibi. Yeah. She was like uh, more by the Pulley. Like right where Polly Longs is. Polly Longs. Yeah, yeah. So she grew up over there and she had family, extended family out in Kaava. Yeah. But yeah, she um she did. She worked at that Kenny's because she went to McKinley and then yeah, she yeah. just she on that, she flew herself over there. She got into, you know, working at the bank to going to get her degree at UCLA to teaching, mm-hmm. meeting my dad. My dad is from Waipahu. Mm-hmm. He only, he started Kamehameha, I think his junior year. Uh, he is a Kamehameha alum, class of 52. And then my mom is a McKinley alum. And they met in Los Angeles, almost like um, Melrose Placey type of thing, where they were in a, like a compound or an apartment where there were Hawaiian or locals living. Yeah. And that's how they got to know each other. During college? During college time slash he was getting out of the military, so he was coming out of, out of the Air Force. My mom was working at the National Reserve Bank in downtown L.A., and then she had, um, through that, had um, started teaching and going to UCLA and stuff like that. Mm. So they met, yeah, they met there, married when they she was 21, and then they had all of us kids there, Um I have an oldest brother who's Hanaid into our family because they'd tried for children for a long time and then didn't have luck and then adopted my brother within a year. My sister was, (laughs) was born. So, you know, that kind of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So um, I have one older brother, one older sister, both whom still live in California. Um, My brother's still in our Whittier house and my sister lives in Fullerton. Mm -hmm. And then um, seven years later, me, and then two years later, my sister Mel, who's a class of 91. So her and I are the only other Kamehameha alum besides my dad. In the On the West Coast, we did connect as much as we could to any Hawaiian organization. 
mm-hmm. like civic clubs, like hula halal, things like that. But it's never quite the same, right? It's not quite the same as, you know, being here and seeing the place and, you know, tasting the food and yeah. not just like, you know, trying to make poi. What was growing up like for you? Were there any experiences growing up? I grew up in the mainland mostly. Because we got to have the best of both worlds, right? Between coming home here for the summers, seeing my dad's siblings. We had a lot of um, family gatherings with my mom's side. Mm -hmm. So in, in Whittier, Southern California, most of my mom's sisters and their extended families also transplanted over there. We had those like Japanese type gatherings, right? For for New Year's or Yakudoshis and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like those those were really great memories for me. Uh-huh. Um, having those. Not as much with my dad. My dad was like number, he's like number, so he was 13 of 14 children of a blended family. So my, you know, Papa had some children, my grandmother had some, and then together they had three. But my dad had grown most of his adult life knowing of of him and his older brother never knew that there was one under him Mm. until much later in life there were times when my mom would want us to you know try to learn how to dance odori or some kind of you know japanese style dance or hula for the hawaiian side and and capture our 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 culture get together with hawaiian civic clubs and have the food and be able to you know talk story with folks that had come from Hawaii, but not necessarily living in Hawaii anymore. Miley's connection to KS was special. She explains her pathway to and her start in KS. How often did you make it back to Hawaii? Growing up, probably only once a year, if that, maybe even every other, mm-hmm. um, all the way up until, you know, middle. So with my myself and then my younger sister both did the explorations program, yeah. right? went to explorations, fell in love with Kamehameha, like just really hoped and prayed to go to that school. So when seventh grade came around, or let's say sixth grade, um, even back then, they would have to send the test, I would have to take it like proctored by somebody at the school that I was going to, um, but actually flew over to do an interview over to Oahu and Mm -hmm. and did it over here. I got in in the seventh grade. And then in our day, weren't actually even allowed to go straight into the boarding program I had to do one year like gain guardianship with my aunt so my my dad's older sister uh, lived in Kaneohe and I was a day student for a year interesting so how many of uh, of you were there from the mainland like about two a year I even know that back in the day they said that the quota or whatever for mainland borders was like less than 1%. How did you feel about being accepted into Kamehameha? Oh, so proud. <laughs> so proud, right? Mostly for my for my father, for my mother, right? My dad is a graduate. He has very strong and like deep Kamehameha roots. Was really, really fortunate to get in because I, I want to say like we were talking before, there aren't many that come from the mainland, at least back in our day and, and still almost till today. But underneath it all is still this very abiding love for the for the place, for the school, for the founder, right? For Powahi and yes. just like all that she's blessed at least our Ohana with and, and continues to. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
guardian, lived a year with my aunt in Kaneohe because, you know, we needed to establish guardianship, then yeah. went into the boarding program, eighth grade. Um, so from that point on, pretty much felt as if I am of two homes, right? Of two mm-hmm. birthplaces, of two foundations, because from from that moment on, I lived here more than visited here. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we yeah. almost became like adopted or Hanai for, for back mm-hmm. here. How do you think your classmates will remember you from high school? I think, I mean, I'm just guessing because it's hard to say that because I think I still have so much contact with quite a mi- many of them. Some of it is probably they thought I was shy, shyer than I probably really am or mm, smarter than I probably <laughs> really am. And I think kind though. I think most people would uh, remember this whole like smiley, miley kind of thing, you know, that, oh, she's she's not a, a mean person or she's not a scary person. That's one of the nice ones. What kind of things have you saved from high school, memento-wise? I have a bunch of stuff. I think I still have, like, a ton load of people's prom pictures. Kainoa and I went to prom together. Really? Which Junior. one? Junior. Junior. Sweet. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll have, like, of the graduation pictures from my freshman year up through my senior year because we had those relationships that is precious i gotta put them like into a like a album or something like that because i'm pretty sure they're loose but they're all in like we have boxes of them bags of them just i mean even i think love letters (laughs) (laughs) haven't let them go yet but i will but i will but actually along with those i think i have almost all of our annuals Nice. Very nice. So <laughs> if, if you could have one of your former teachers, you know, your niece or nephew's teacher, uh, who would that be and why? <laughs> I, I definitely would have Russ Martin. He would say punny. He was super punny, uh-huh. like puns all the time. And um, again, just that quiet, understated humor. Like I still to this day really like that. I mean, <laughs> but I do like that understated sort of Peter Kali humor where it's sort of intelligent and it's sort of like tongue in cheek. And yeah, Mr. Martin, he had all of those qualities. He was honors English, I think, teacher for 10th grade. And he was also like a dorm resident. So when Mr. Martin was like the library nighttime supervisor. Okay. So when boarders would go to have like study time, um, do you remember Janelle Delatory? But Janelle and I used to be roommates for it, and we both got this job at Midkiff. He would hire us to work in that periodical part, right when you first walk in on the right side. I do remember that. Again, we don't have those anymore. Those are gone. Hey, um, sorry, Miley. Can you explain that for our younger viewers what, what <laughs> periodical corner? <laughs> <laughs> you know those things called magazines? What's a magazine? Yeah, magazines. Those, those card journals. catalogs. <laughs> What took Miley back to California after high school? And what brought her back home to Hawaii again? So what have you been up to since you graduated from Kamehameha? Oh my gosh, so much. 30 some years now, right? So when I graduated from Kamehameha, I'm a California resident. So we had to take advantage of that, right? Like I get California resident college tuition. 
And I mean, I just went to Cal Poly Pomona because that's where my sister went and her husband at the time went. And, you know, and so I'm like, okay, I threw in my hat for Cal Poly. I got a or behavioral science, I think, undergraduate degree, criminal justice and corrections minor, that kind of field was in college. This is at Cal Poly getting my um, behavioral health a degree, one of my cousins had said, Hey, you know, I know somebody who's teaching or training phlebotomists and we need lab assistants. And do you want to work at the hospital? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I really don't want to do phlebotomy, but I'll do charting. Mm-hmm. So I did um, charts, like all the patients charts of the lab results of the day were coming out sure. inpatient, outpatient, but the inpatient, they have to get delivered, you know, like to units, all the different units and some sure. are locked and some some have the patient's charts right outside the room and we would have to like manually chart them, just put them in the lab folder, right? Sure. And then do that like between 10 and midnight um, on, an, on a given night and then go home and then the next day go to college, you know, go to school and then come back. And so I was, I did that for part-time. I, I did do the phlebotomy, didn't like it. Like, my, my, my hands didn't like it. It was like carpal tunnel action. I was like, this is too many. I can't do this many <laughs> blood draws. And anyway, and then I did microbiology for a long time. So I was a microbiology lab assistant for maybe five of those 10 years. Yeah. It was just a job. Then I worked in a hospital for about 11 years at the White Memorial. And the White Memorial is in East LA. It's very, very dangerous neighborhood, I guess you could okay. say. Uh, White Memorial's in that Adventist health system, you know, kind of like what we have Castle over here. Sure. sure. And I worked in a laboratory for that many years, for about a decade. Um, like a basic science lab? Like a clinical lab. So in the, when I first... Um, mm-hmm. so you were in the mainland for at least 11 years then after high school? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't come back to Hawaii until about 2000 and. Three, you know, after working in the hospital for 10 years, I'm like, okay, I need to get, because with a behavioral health undergraduate, there's not much you could do, you know, like, uh, I don't know, it really wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was either going to Pepperdine or Chaminade. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, and of course, Chaminade went out just because it's in Honolulu. I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to go to Chaminade. Definitely not because this is a better school, more because it's like, hey, that program sounds great and I can go move home and, you know, and all this stuff. So you said you, you're referring to Hawaii as home. So that's that's kind of what, what you felt despite. Yeah, despite living and growing up in California, I think, be, especially because we we're boarders and we spent so much time those six years living um, more here than even in California, right? I only got to visit uh, summer and winter mm-hmm. while I was in school. And then, and then, yeah, even though I did go back home and I worked there for, you know, another decade, I always considered Hawaii as my, my roots, yeah, as my home, home, home base. Miley returned to KS as a dorm advisor. Hear what she loves about it and a brush she had with a star. Once upon a time, I was a dorm advisor, but yeah. I transitioned out of that and into mental health. And have a residence on campus mm-hmm. because my my job is like providing behavioral health to our boarders. 
for me, I'm mostly there for crisis support. So if I have to attend to something in the middle of the night or on the weekend, they would have that house available for me. But since COVID started, I um, moved back Mm -hmm. into my parents' house only because, you know, they were much, much older and then just needing help with transportation and cooking and cleaning and that. So is it like in the dorms, like a dorm advisor apartment as part of the dorms? Yeah. I've I've heard of those. I've never like seen what they look like. What are they like? Some are giant and they're beautiful. They're, um, have a couple of bedrooms, like up to two and three bedrooms. They have some that have really high ceilings, just the way the dorms are kind of built. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that are not so nice. <laughs> um, and so for whatever reason, I've been mostly in the ones that are not so nice. So when I was a border, uh, boarding like head dorm advisor, that was for Kina Ohale, beautiful yeah. dorm, beautiful apartments. Mm-hmm. I did have the smallest because I was the only single one. Everybody else had um, spouses or families. Sure, but I mean, sure. it was a beautiful apartment. In fact, um, funny, like what do you call nugget? Do you know that movie called The Descendants with George Clooney? I do, yes. Okay, so they filmed a scene there. Um, oh, the, the, the dorm scene. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's my apartment. <laughs> so when he comes to the um, door of a dorm advisor, and actually I'm not even sure if that scene is still in the – and I think it is because Boo Arnold, who is the younger sister of Michelle, is a dorm advisor. She oh. played the part of the dorm advisor, but in my apartment – we all tried. <laughs> we all like auditioned for it, but they chose Boo. And so Boo worked out of my apartment where George comes to and is looking for his daughter. And she, you know, has some words with him. So the entryway and the, the apartment itself is mine, my old one. Um, and then what had happened is because our refrigerator was so loud and it was right by the door where they were filming, they asked to unplug it. Well, we had spring break and they forgot to replug it. Oh, no. <laughs> and so everything like melted and was like coming out the door. Um, and so, and I was in the mainland, I was in California or Vegas or something. And then they're like, Miley, your, you know, the freezer is like defrosting into the, into the hallway of the dorm. And, you know, anyway, that um, the, the crew of the descendants or the film production or whatever, they had to owe me some money back for whatever was spilled in the fridge. And <laughs> but I also got to meet George Clooney. Oh, and- that's cool. Yeah, and the director Alexander Payne. So that was really fun. That was he's good. really good. Yeah, super, super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's George, what's George Clooney like in person? Super funny, like a jokester. Really? He's like a little. Um, he's like a um kolohe. Like at the time, this is when he was dating that um Italian model, and I kid you not, they were full on making out on the lanai. Oh, sweet. A little much, but you know, you're like, oh my god, it's George Clooney and his girlfriend making out on my lanai. And then um, I was super starstruck. I didn't want to go like say hi, but um, I don't know if you remember Carol Glendon. And so she brings me out and she's like, hey, you know, can we? I introduce her. Can we take a picture with her? Like this is her apartment and her dorm and whatever. And so <laughs> yes, thank God for Carol because she was more gutsier than I. So that was my first place, and I lived there for like nine years. So actually, maybe that's 10 years. Yeah, 10 I, I years. I can't believe that that we can actually measure, you know, how long you've been or we've been out yes. in, in those kinds of numbers of years. Oh, decades. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did the, like I said, I went from the 
hospital, um, decided, hey, I don't want to do this forever. So get my master's. While I started at Shamanad, like one year into it, mm-hmm. uh, a friend says, hey, we have an opening for a dorm advisor. Do you want to apply? So I'm like, okay, but you know, I'm getting my master's, blah, blah, blah. So I did and then got it. And the good thing about that was, like I said, worked as a regular DA for a year. And then I went into being a head DA. When you're a head DA, you can kind of determine your schedule mm-hmm. with that. At the time, I tell the director, like, hey, we really need a, you know, a counselor specific for our borders. They're special. They're a unique population. They're different than day students. They have a dorm mommy or a dorm daddy or advisors. Yeah, yeah they have 40 or 50 other peers that they're living with but they have different challenges, right? And because they're all coming from around the different parts of the state, you know, from other islands, some like me, a few from the mainland, it's yeah. rougher, it's rougher, it's harder for them. So of course. they they um, created the position, like, I guess it would be seven years ago, because I think I've been doing this for seven. Well, nice. Yeah. What do you love about your job? Yeah, (laughs) I love uh, the relationships. So with the students that we've um, that we've touched right with the families that we've gotten to know, I've been super blessed first working with boarding um, back when it was I hope in a better place. Um, And even with, you know, what I do now, like just the fact that we impact some of these families in a way that um, helps them transition helps them survive and thrive and and do all the good things like there's never that lack of satisfaction and and at the end of the day feeling like happy that we impacted somebody's life in a positive way right and that many many years um past their graduation time and when they're you know far out of Kamehameha that they're still sharing their lives with us right um, we had one student who who had myself and another dorm advisor sit as her parents, you know, on on her bridal table because she felt that Aww. close. So, you know, that impacted by the relationship that we had with her. And I don't have, you know, uh, children who I've birthed, but I've had these children over the years that I've that I've sort of mothered in 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 a sense, you know, for for a couple of decades now, almost a decade and a half, maybe. Um, and just to this day, have so many of those rich relationships. What are some of the misconceptions you had about what, what life after high school would be like? You know, I, I thought there was this sort of, you know, okay, you go to college, you're out in four years. If you want to, you go on to get a mask school or whatever. Um, you get married, you have children, you get into this career that you love. And, and I think that I had that, uh, mm, hopeful expectation after high school and then life doesn't always turn out as you plan you know like it's different it's it's a um it's not always beautiful like there's rough times there's um scary times there's sad times right and just for me it hasn't worked out in that sense that you know I I had that cookie cutter kind of life no I took like double the time to get my degree so just taking a different trajectory than I had anticipated, you know, some relationships going south when, you know, I'd hoped for for other things out of them and just still kind of like living um, a life that's not quite what I had envisioned, but many, many parts of it and facets of it are that. So I like, 
it's hard. It's a mixed blessing, right? I feel really, really grateful to have the life that I have, but I also see that I, I missed out on some things that I would have liked to have, um, you know, had at this time in, in space, right? Especially getting close to 50. You know, I think that there's there's a lot in our lives to be thankful for. And, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot to, to appreciate, so. <laughs> I completely agree, completely agree. Miley is on the class leadership group that organizes get-togethers, and she shares what bringing the class together means to her and how she feels about being part of the process. So I know that you're involved with regard to the class and, and, and all of that. Were you involved, you know, as an extension of, you know, this job? Like next year will be my 17th year at Kamehameha, and I think that's been about as long as I've been an alumni rep. <laughs> Because I think it was really like, hey, you're on campus, you should rep our class <laughs> and go to the meetings and get the information. And so it, by extension, Andrew got into that too, because he also is on campus, right? He's teaching there still. Yeah. So he and I became class reps. We are continuously looking for other people who want to take the helm, like, hey, anybody else want? And so like, we have like um, people who pitch in, but nobody who's like, yes, I'll be the one. <laughs> Possibly. It sounds like a lot of a lot of responsibility, but maybe not. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Up and you want to be able to try to communicate to as much of us as we can. Mm -hmm. But over the years, we also lose track. Like even though alumni has a really pretty good tracking system of like um, like a directory, you're bound to have people who move and forget to. Oh, you know, they remember to change their bills, but they may not necessarily remember. To, oh, tell my school that I moved. Interesting. Well, with social media, I suppose that, that it should be relatively easy to find them if they fall or if their credentials change a little bit. But yeah, uh, but then again, I'm not on social media myself. So, you know, if I wasn't connected with other people, then I'd be, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you're not alone. But it's hard for some. For some, they keep their their social, their digital profile very uh, discreet. Can I ask you, David, what kind of doctor are you? I'm a radiation oncologist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. Yeah. So I do, um, I do cancer. Okay. Okay. Well, let me tell you, we really, really were involved with Relay for Life. So when Relay you, for yes, Life. Even this past year, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, in it. past years, I've, I've helped to chair it. And in past years, I've helped to be committees, but I've, I've also gotten kind of burnt out. I needed some time to just, you know, do some other things. So they had it for most of the years up at Cunea Field. It's a great event. It was so, I mean, we really did, did do a lot of work, but, you know, so many people have been impacted by cancer just in our, in our class, yeah. you know, and, and we've lost some to cancer, right? Beth, we lost Peter, you know, yeah. one of my best friends. What kind of class activities or class things are you involved with? Yeah. So the the biggest like hoo-ha or whatever was that reunion, right? That 30th reunion was it sort a big of, one? I, yeah, I it was the culminating event of years and years of work and sweat and tears. I mean, because our 29th year, we host it. And then our 30th year, we we're the celebrating class, mm -hmm. which thank God, again, before COVID, because we really did get to yeah. have it right, you know, because like, it's really, really special yeah, when you're yeah. there under that big tent with like, 
numerous kupuna, like all in the fours and the nines. And, you know, and then even the younger ones that are younger than us, when you're spearheading a luau, that is like humongous, right? It's, it's a huge, um, you know, week long event every summer. So that that would be carved out time, really good time. And then even, I guess, getting ready for that, we did tons of fundraisers. Just thinking about that and understanding the logistical, you know, the the daunting task seems so intimidating, just like overwhelming. But I think that the the real, you know, the real value in it is bringing the class together, you know. Yeah, but like you said, you can't discount like the value of that camaraderie, just like working together. Our, our class actually loves it, mm-hmm. loves it. Like, mm-hmm they jump at the chance to like get in a kitchen together and, and, or work at emu. And I mean, there are more than enough hands to make it work. So that's, what's great. And we have such talent. Yeah. So what I find really cool is that like maybe in high school, we knew of each other. Of course we knew each other's names. We probably didn't know each other's like, Oh, you're from Whittier, California. Like that's kind of a random thing because we didn't know each other super well in high school either. But when I come across people that I didn't even know, but who are our classmates and we're blessed enough to be able to recognize each other. Cause again, <laughs> 30 some years does it's, does it's whole, like nobody looks, I mean, except for a, a small fraction of you weirdos that still look very much like your 18 year old selves. Most of us have They're pickled. That's right, because they're pickled. <laughs> Preserved in time, like yeah, like strange, um, yeah, um, aliens. But um, we, I always like, I make a like an effort to be like, hey, you know, um, and the, until somehow it slips what their name is. Like if I can't remember their name, or um, we again, we weren't close in high school, but I know that phase, you know. Yeah. Right, we have these notions of each other as being a bully or as being a a jock or being a you know a this or a that. But it's really amazing that a lot of those those myths, or hopefully, like you were saying, a lot of us have grown out of some of those behaviors, right? Since of course, yeah. So if you could have lunch with a classmate who you didn't know very well back in high school, who would you choose and why? So I, it's so, I didn't think of this uh, question very well, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I would almost say you, David, because I think, I don't, I don't think I anticipated that we would have this easy of a chance to like engage and like talk story and like get down and, you know, do you know what I mean? Sure. I don't think I. I ever probably said more than two words to you in high school <laughs> and you to me. Um, and But when I think of like the greater population, one, if I think of somebody I'd want to have lunch with or whatever, I, I just do, except for the ones who are no longer with us, right? Of course. Um, I think I almost love everybody in our class, mm-hmm. if, if I can be honest. And, and yet this time like makes me want to like, okay, one of these days, like you said, you ever come to Hawaii, we need to like put aside a time, like let's go grab some food, talk story. Yeah. And, and, and that's and, not going to be enough time to, to do all yeah. the, the talking and catching up. What's your favorite dish? Oh boy. So when I was in California, I had a lot of friends who were Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. 
and they have something called seven courses of beef. <laughs> and I know it sounds very like meat heavy, like, oh my gosh, seven ways, you know, uh, beef is cooked, but it's, it's actually a little bit healthy. So, <laughs> like, and it, <laughs> I mean, cause it's still beef. It's not vegetarian, uh, primarily, but you eat it with a lot of vegetables. So okay. the way they do it is they just prepare it seven different ways. And, um, some of them are healthier than others. Like one is like a, a beef salad type of thing, right? So like a, they make the beef like a beef hash, almost okay. like a pork hash, like a ball and that's okay. shared. And then they make it like lemongrass. So there's oh. lemongrass beef. <laughs> I love that. It does sound like a lot, um, but perfect. So you meet up with friends and um, you know everyone's having their drinks and it's time for you to, to get up and, and order something. What do you order? Okay, I have two. And I really, I tried to like eliminate which one do I like a little bit less and I like them equally. So one is wine. I love wine, just adore it. And then Moscow Mules. That's like my new mixed drink. Not new, but one of my favorites. So wine, what kind of wine? One of my favorites is something called Cabernet Franc. How do you take your coffee? Coffee, uh, white <laughs> and sweet. <laughs> Almost always. Almost always. I try to go, you know, black coffee and I will drink it if there's no cream in the house. Um, but I prefer it sweet. Name one thing for me that hasn't changed about you since high school. I, I, I enjoy drinking. I still find it very socially like fun. It, uh -huh. It's a great way to, I mean, all of the things, not just drinking. I love eating too, obviously. So eating, drinking, talking, laughing. Like I think um that hasn't changed from high school i still love that i still love having um deep talks with my sisters right in the dorms we had very late nights where we wouldn't uh, sleep and we would just talk to the wee hours of you know all sorts of things nonsense all the way up to you know dreams and goals and mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i still love having the time that i have with my with my loved ones what was an important lesson learned in life or a life-changing incident that you learned this from or that, that turned things around for you? So once upon a time, this is out, out of high school, um, maybe one year, maybe two years. And um, I was working at a video store and um, we were robbed. I was working alone. Um, and, and anyway, that, that was actually the story I first came up with, right? What changed my life, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's just like one of those things where I think I felt the lesson to be learned was don't trust, don't trust everybody, right? Don't be this um, very almost naive and, you know, targetable kind of person because you never know uh, what's on the other side of, of, of things, right? So that you always have to kind of be diligent and be aware and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then I kind of swished that away because I thought, okay, well, that, that was just a very small fragment of, you know, who I am today. And, mm -hmm. and I was looking at some of the other questions, which lead into like what I do as a, as a living. And mm -hmm. I, and I really, and I, I hope I can say this without getting emotional, because sometimes that's just my, my way. I just am that emotional kind of person. You sure. can ask anybody. <laughs> Out of our classmates who have passed, well, three of them, ah, you know, committed suicide, right? And I, ah, shucks, I think that impacted me, you know, deeper. Mm -hmm. 
than I thought it would. And so even though I already had my vision of what I was going to do in life and what I wanted to do and, and, and stuff in my future, I think that that second element of having people that I knew and loved who prompted me to say, I don't want that. I don't want that for people I love. I don't want that for our Kiki Okaina. I don't want that for our next generations to ever feel that that's an option to yeah. just to just um, die, right? Because it's their will and because it's they feel that hopeless. And so I think that has made me a lot uh, of who I am today because of having weathered those tragic deaths, right? Even for the ones that I wasn't necessarily super close with. And then having to lose them so early, so uh, tragically, so like just on so many levels and having that feeling like, oh, what could I have done? You know, there's not really a whole bunch that we can do, uh, but we need to find ways to remedy those things, to turn those things around, right? To say like, hey, nope, uh, not an option to just give up, at least in the sense that if I can find uh, work or ways that I can impact this next generation and hopefully they can impact their next generation mm -hmm. to, to knowing and believing that suicide isn't an answer, that we can have hope, uh, you know, even in the most hopeless of circumstances, that we can just have um, people who will listen, who, people who will help, and that they don't have to resort to, you know, taking themselves out of our lives um, in order to just sort of stop that um, momentary pain. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, I could tell that that was really personal and very emotional. <laughs> strong on you for, um, for recognizing that and, you know, doing your part to try and make it better. Thank you. What's the most meaningful thing you've done in your life? Mm. Um, uh, maybe that's now. <laughs> wow, huh? My, you know, my, I mentioned earlier in our stuff, my, my parents are both well into their 80s, right? We have um, them at the, the prime years of their lives. And I think um, COVID or this pandemic has made that just all the more clearer how much you need to, like, appreciate the time that I have with them. And malama them as much as I can, like in every sense of the word, like not just their physical needs, but their spiritual needs, their emotional needs, like just, I mean, of course, the, the, the simple things of helping to keep house for them and cooking them meals and, and doing their groceries, because even throughout that time that I've been here, which is going on, you know, a little over a year now, their, their health has, you know, taken its it's twists and turns. Mm -hmm. So even though we try the best to like give them healthy diet, make sure that they're getting enough sleep and you know, that they're comfortable and all that kind of stuff. I, my goal right now is to just make this time that I have with them worth um, every minute, like, and to not like take any of it for granted. Mm -hmm. I have more time to spend with them to kind of keep eyes on them and 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 to listen to them when they just want to you know talk about the old days and all those kinds of things like i don't i don't think i could have ever asked for a more precious time this time to to have with my parents it's that human contact the part that i think i miss the most that that has impacted from covid but the definitely silver lining is being able to 
one, live and work from my parents' home. And two, like for my older sibling who usually lives in California, same thing. <laughs> How do you feel about turning 50? Uh, mostly junk. <laughs> <laughs> Be honest. I'm being honest. Um, like physically, what a bummer. I just feel, I, I totally feel like um, my eyes are getting worse and like my body aches a little more like what's that feeling like I didn't have this feeling a year ago or even <laughs> three months ago like what's that funky feeling in my gut you know just like uh, the physical part of getting older um, and maybe two things right I have to re recognize we're turning 50 like I gotta get some healthier practices <laughs> like working out better or eating more salad I don't know something um so mostly it's coming with a, a bit of dread um but but hopefully some celebration too like it's it's a milestone hey you know half a century we can be really proud that we made it to 50 almost what's something important that you learned about yourself i think um i think i learned that i'm stronger than i thought i was i think that strength and backbone are things that I discovered about myself much later in life, but thank goodness, right? Like, whew, <laughs> yeah. glad I wasn't this weak, you know, soft, you know, person that I thought I was, because then I don't think I would have survived this long. Uh, finding that inner strength is something I never knew that I had until I had it tested. How would you describe a fulfilled life, Miley? It was about the spiritual journey, right? Just sort of getting more... Um, Ma'a to like healing and finding ways to to use those gifts, hopefully that we all have in us, and then translate to a, to a life that's that's more rich, right? That's kind of more touching uh, more folks than the population that I've been able to connect with, right? And so I guess part of that is in the fulfilling part, right? Like if maybe not having had the life that I envisioned when I was in high school, but still really being grateful and 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 blessed with the life that I do have and then using using that to hopefully bless upon others you know and 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 touch other people thank you so much Miley it was lovely talking to you <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, sounds good thank you right. so much I hope you enjoyed this episode of primetime 89 I'd like to thank our guest Miley Munden for taking the time to talk story with us I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together. Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu, Sean Maskell, Wendy Brown, and Kaylee Aquaro. And a special thank you to Dwayne Andres for the music and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest updates and news on upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate on Primetime 89.